Did I interest you in a stamp? Yeah, give me a stamp. Oh. No, give me a purple one. Oh, I'm sorry we haven't any purple ones. I could uh, paint one for you. I don't want a painted one. person hasn't got any rights in this country anymore. The government even tells you what color stamps you gotta buy. Live from the Jesse Fremont Memorial Studios, this is the award-winning stamp show here today. If you can dream it, we can collect it. This is episode number 331, I believe. Brought to you by the Southern Nevada Philatelic Research Center, a nonprofit 501c3 corporation for the advancement of philately. This is Cash. This is Mark. This is Albert. This is Becca. This is Jim. And uh, Albert, you're back from... Mark, you didn't go to Chicago, right? I did not go, no. Okay. So, Albert, you're the only person here who's back from Chicago. How was the show? Uh, Well, both Scott Murphy and I uh, attended the show. We actually shared a room together, and uh, Scott took in a lot of stamps for expertizing, and I spent a lot of time with customers. The exhibits were very interesting. Um, the winning the winning exhibit was uh, was Mr. Foe's uh, exhibit on the 24 cent 1861 issue, and the reserve grand was uh, Matt Kariga's uh, Danish West Indies collection. Oh, congratulations, Matt! And then uh, Rich Drews won the uh, one frame exhibit with his exhibit of 30 cent 1861 issue on cover. Oh, wow! That was very impressive. He yeah. had a he had, he had one of the three Hawaii covers for the 30 cent as the, on the title page, and it went from there. Oh. So, it, but many people had um, had gold medal exhibits. It was the meeting of the German Philatelic Society, and we had uh, we had a, a very good turnout of dealers. We had, I would say, we had only about 60 to 70 percent of the normal turnout for the show. But that's that can also be can, that's also because we just had the, the Great American Stamp Show there in August. Uh, that's the APS National Convention, and so there are some people there who had spent their wad and just didn't hadn't replenished their money yet. But we had I had a customer come down from Minneapolis. One came from Virginia. Um, somebody came from uh, Lincoln, Nebraska. Another person came from Cleveland. So there were many people who wanted to see me, and I was I was happy with the action, and I got a chance to look at the exhibits for a change, so I was happy to do that. Um, uh, the, one of the exhibits that was particularly notable was uh, Mick and Vicki Hadley's collection of uh, uh, Kansas, Nebraska overprints. Uh, they talked a lot about the, how it was how they were produced. They had an illustration of the Stickney Press. And the one thing that I learned was that there was a little dial that would allow you to adjust the overprint setting. 
while it was being printed. And they said, and it, and so the reason the overprints are not are not uniformly apart is because the pressman kept adjusting the, the the overprint so that they would it would get at least in close to where they wanted it to be. But right at the bottom third of the stamp, correct. But um, but for instance, all the rare varieties that are listed in the catalog, like some of the, like the ten cent pair with the gutter in between, and all the wide spacing there. They had they had unique varieties, uh, unique wide spacing. For instance, an eight cent sheet, an eight cent Nebraska sheet with wide spacing. The sheet itself with the wide spacing is unique, and uh, they had uh, and they showed all kinds of all kinds of overprint varieties, and then they also then showed all kinds of uh, uh, how the stamps were actually used, including some pre cancels and. Um, foreign usages and third and second class, fourth class mail. It was very impressive. It's basically, it's basically the, the only other major collection of that that had existed was the one that was built by Joe Seacrest. Joe he was in Lincoln and was the owner of the, uh, the big newspaper in Lincoln. So when he died, he, they, they handled the collection and bought the collection from the estate. So it's the best and biggest and brightest, and uh, it was very impressive to see. I wish everybody, I wish everybody here that expertises Kansas, Nebraska's, could see that collection. So I've actually asked for either something like a disc, because it's something that uh, on a on a Thursday experts meeting we ought to go over. Oh mm. yeah, that sounds fantastic. Yeah, there was a fabulous exhibit of imperfect coils, of which I added a couple things to that uh, um, that Greg Schultz of Cleveland brought. There was a very, very good collection, a one-frame collection of, uh, of uh, U.S. 1909 coils on cover, including on the title page a 356 of uh, the 10 cent, one of the four 10 cent register covers uh, that exist. And uh, so it was a it it was a very nice show in the sense of there were, there was a lot of social interaction, there was um, it was it was like what a stamp show is supposed to be. You know, everybody go, comes from everywhere else and they get together and you do do a lot of social stuff, and you occasionally buy a stamp or two. <laughs> the de the dealers were the dealers were moderately okay. Most of them did did a little bit of money. Nobody nobody got skunked, but there were. Uh, we did have fewer people there. Hmm, interesting. But, what uh, percentage do you think? Like, uh, it, was it half the norm or about sixty? Norm? About sixty or sixty-five percent uh, of a Chicago show or of, uh, a, of, a, of a Chicago Peck show? Yeah. Okay. Um, among the people I want to shout out and say hello, um, Al and Dottie Kugel showed up. They've been oh. both very, very ill recently, and so we were surprised to see them there. And. Uh, they're long-time long -time members of the Chicago Philatelic Society, and Al is a great collector of all kinds of military mail and basically anything he wants to collect. Uh, so the fact that he showed up was a good thing. Um, but um, so, what did you buy? I bought. I bought. Um, I was looking for very unusual anything that was really unusual. I bought some. Unusual Hawaii things like uh, I bought two Hawaii, uh, uh, two uh, 19th century Hawaiian company stock certificates. I thought that was unusual that 
one for a sugar one for a sugar plantation the other for a company that's still in business C Brewer and Co and I bought uh, I actually bought a piece of uh, of unused stationery that was uh, for the Royal Chamberlain for the reign of David Kalakaua in the middle 1800 middle 1880s I bought a the, the piece that had been for sale for $600 and then for $200 and I went to the dealer and I said I'll pay you Y dollars, and I said it isn't. I said your price is so ridiculous. <laughs> the thing I like about it is it had a watermark on the paper, and it was also laid paper, which is similar to the paper that was used on the uh, one and two cent 1865 numerals. Mm -hmm. So that was one of the reasons why I bought it. I bought some unusual um, military usages, um, World War II military usages from Guam, which is an island I collect. Um, just different APOs and things like that. I bought some, uh, I certainly bought some regular stamps. I bought, uh, I advanced my study on uh, on the newspaper stamps by buying one stamp from Stanley Pillar. Nope, how and, is Stanley doing? Um, other than the fact that he that he keeps losing his rubber bands, he, <laughs> did, he did fine. <laughs> okay, what is that? Well, he's, he's always he's, he was begging for rubber bands uh, at the end of the show, so I gave him one and I told him that that I'm going to call him on it the next time <laughs> I see him. You're going to pay me back with a rubber band. Yeah, but, just people who haven't been to uh, Stanley Pillar, and you you should go to Stanley Pillar. He's a great guy. He's a great uh, mind in the hobby, but he sells all his covers in plastic sleeves and he puts rubber bands around them. So I can see why he loses loses his rubber bands. They like break and wear out and stuff. And he may have, I don't know, fifty bundles of fifty. I mean, you know, he literally probably has two or three thousand covers at any he, given time. He, he probably he probably brings somewhere between three and four million dollars of the retail material to a yep. show. Yep. At least that much. So it's a very it's very impressive. It's just that. The the biggest problem with Stanley is simply he's just getting he's his age is getting up there, and the diabetes that he's had for over thirty years is not does not help his vision. Yeah, but uh, but it was it was it was it was um, it was a lot of fun to see. There were dealers from all over the United States, um, a lot of them U.S. dealers, but there were lots of foreign dealers there too. Yeah, um, Chicago's the big show, so or one of them. And where they have where they should have the show in Itasca, which is about a thirty-two dollar Uber ride from uh, from O'Hare Airport. There's no there's no shuttle service or anything. That was one complaint that many of us said said if everybody's going to stay there and they're not going to change. And one of the other complaints is that they weren't they weren't doing any kind of room service. They weren't changing your sheets or anything else. So I had to take three three bag three. Uh, Containers of garbage out and and throw them away. Otherwise, we would have just been overwhelmed with the with the trash from the excess excess <laughs> uh, papers and things like that you, that you get at a show. Yeah. Um, but otherwise, um, there are some very very nice restaurants in the area. Um, I ate twice at an Italian restaurant called Rocco Vino, which was really good, and I thought reasonably priced. Well, I used to always go to the Chicago shows. Last year, um, I didn't want to go because they had all these COVID mandates and restrictions and everything. And eventually, the COVID mandates and restrictions actually canceled the show. So I didn't miss it because it didn't go on. 
Uh, this year, I didn't trust it not to occur again because, quite frankly, Chicago is a political <coughs> mess. And uh, so I didn't go, but in hindsight, I kind of wish I had. Well, like in Mark's case, um, like I looked at Mark Reasoner's stuff, for instance, a guy that we both went through his stuff. Mm-hmm. There wasn't that much new. Yeah. I, I, I spent, oh, it's very I, difficult to buy stuff right now. Yeah, right, right now things are so tough. So if you went through somebody's stock in the last six months, they just don't have very much. I went through that. Gentleman from what first century of stamps, Dennis O'Keefe, I guess. Mm-hmm. He he. I looked at just one section. He hadn't added anything. Yeah. So that was, uh, and I just I I just said I'm going to go to people who I just don't see very often, and then they have a secondary room which I didn't even know about that has all the low level um, cover dealers and things like that. But I actually found a cover dealer to spend a hundred dollars with, even though I spent an hour and a half going through a bunch of just absolute trash mm-hmm. but, but there were some people who had some stuff and i was pleased to go through it because it was stuff i had never seen before yeah i did note that there was a few names that were not in the great american stamp show going to that show but some of these guys are just you know when i said when, when will i see it next he said well i i'm i'm a couple guys said well i'm going down to florida and i'm not taking any stamps with me so i won't be back for six months and i said okay <laughs> so that's why stocks don't change very often well, one of the ways that stocks change, honestly, is dealers buying from dealers at stamp shows. And so their stocks change because, uh, you know, m- material moves around from dealer to dealer, not necessarily new collections hitting the market. So you'll just get a dealer who purchased a dealer's stock that is a dealer who you do not know because they, you know, they, they bought their stock in, you know, Florida. We don't go to Florida or I don't go to Florida. And uh, but so all of a sudden it arrives in Southern California. You go, hey, wow, look, this is all new stuff because I had never seen it before. Um, There are quite a few dealers who do that, uh, who will keep stuff for a little while and then get rid of it, move it on. Uh, Because, you know, they made whatever money they are and now they they want to refresh their inventory because nothing is more depressing than seeing a person, you know, for the last five years. And they have changed their stock literally zero. And I know quite a few dealers who do that. So I'm glad that uh, Chicago was good. Hopefully uh, the 60% uh, attendance will start to pick up. There are still a lot of people who are concerned about COVID. A lot. Uh, I'd say about 20% of the people down from you know 40%. But there is still a healthy group that does not trust going out to large places with lots of people um what did they have it you were talking something about the vaccination card um i had no problem in chicago some people were afraid of that because of what the mayor had said oh including me yeah but but the only the only time but when i checked in i just showed a vaccination card and i didn't hear anything but at the show, did they not a thing? Wear masks at the show. They had they they did enforce a mask rule. But everybody, <coughs> but everybody wore it around their chin. Um, it was about half and half. Yeah. <laughs> but they they had they were pl- they were constantly playing once every half an hour this canned announcement. Please put on your mask. Yeah. Um, and it it got limited. It got limited. 
somebody like myself, I put my mask on. If you had a table, you didn't necessarily put your mask on. I just, I, I don't want to have any trouble. It, to me, it's no problem to wear a mask. And I just, my attitude was, okay, well, since they broadcasted, everybody was, all the dealers said, well, you don't have to do this. And I said, I do because it's being stated that way I can't be ejected from the show. Well, for me, honestly, I don't put the mask over my nose because when you breathe and you're wearing glasses and I wear glasses, it fogs up your glasses. And so, I don't know, Mark, do you have the same problem with wearing a mask? Cause, no, you know, no, I put my mask over my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> That's very effective. Sure, you're like Batman. Yeah. You, you, wore, you wore the mask upside down. <laughs> there, there were several dealers who asked me, did your friend Mark come? And I said, I said no, he basically... He basically said, I told him that uh, he, had gone through, he had gone through everything and had gone to Chicago for August and decided he had plenty to do. Yeah. He just ca- just catching up from all the large lots he bought. I was curious, did the, did the hotel ask for your um, vaccination card or did you just volunteer it? I just volunteered it yeah. because I, I, I had, a year ago I was in Chicago for a Rasdale sale. And the hotel I stayed at there asked for it. Wow! So that's oh, why okay. I, I, that's why I brought it again, and I just presented it, and I said, then they said, oh, you don't need to show us that, and I said, okay, but I, I quoted the name of the other hotel. I said, oh, well, they're just stricter. Yeah. So I, but I had no problem. Um, um, as I said, the the only real problem with the with the show is, is that uh, if they're not going to do room service, they could at least run a shuttle service to the airport and save everybody a thirty dollar cab ride or more. Yeah, you know, to me, it's 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 they're, a trade off. They had they had they they had lots of rooms sold to the people who came for the show. That's all I can say. They, I wonder how full the hotel was. It was pretty full. We yeah. also had we also had two weddings going on at the same time. So, yeah, Chicago, the show is a great show. Location is a great location. I love their front lobby sitting out there and, you know, talking with people because they have just miles of sofas that you can sit on. And then at the end, they have the uh, little bar sort of thing. That's what I liked about Westpac, too. Their their fine eating restaurant, uh, their fine dining restaurant was closed. That was a disappointment, but, no. but we just asked where to go, and a couple couple of the locals said, "Go here, here, or here," and that was good advice. Hmm. So I don't know what else to say about that, but this is we got a chance to the dealers and the collectors got to, got a chance to be with each other, and normally when that happens, there's business done. I like I know much more about what some of my clients are looking for, and they know what I might have for them. That's those are good things. Yep. And and um, the, the only problem with Chicago was on Thursday, when I read the weather report on Monday in Las Vegas. When I was in Las Vegas, Thursday it was supposed to be 61. On Thursday at 12 noon, it was about 22 degrees with <laughs> snow flurries. So about half. And I was not prepared, and I was very, very unhappy being <laughs> outside. <laughs> Yikes. So it was, uh, and, and the other thing is, is that Chicago is a town that if, um, 
you want to use public transit like I did from the airports. Um, it's very easy. You get a you get a card called a Vent, Venta or Ventra card, and it, uh, the card costs five dollars, and then you load it up. So each time you get on the you get on their subway system, it's two dollars and twenty five cents. Well, you can go you can go fifty miles basically on two dollars and twenty five cents. That's not a bad deal. Mm-hmm. Well, it depends on what's at the end of the fifty miles. Well, I went from I went from I went from um, from Midway Airport to O'Hare. Oh. And so, how were, we, were the airplanes different? Um, no, but I was meeting Scott, who was arriving in, at O'Hare, and that's oh. why I, that's why I did it because then we could share. We all shared an Uber, so instead of paying uh, thirty nine dollars per person, we we paid one thir- we paid thirteen dollars each. That made a lot made it a lot more palatable. And all you had to do was travel fifty miles to the next airport. No, I, all I, well, it was an hour and twenty minutes. I, all I did was all, I had to change trains in one place mm. from an orange line orange line to I guess it's either I think it's blue line. But that was that that was a, a two minute cha- two minute change. It was no problem at all. And I got I got a chance. But the best thing was I got a chance to to talk with some people who are knowledgeable in a couple areas I'm doing work on, and get their input. That's always exciting. Well, speaking about shows, we got confirmation that the Las Vegas Stamp Show is going to be the second Friday and Saturday, second weekend. We don't do it on Sundays. Uh, Friday and Saturday, second weekend of February, April, June, September, and November. So there will be five Las Vegas shows in 2022, and it'll be at the new location across the street from the old location. Which Which means more dealers. Which means more dealers. Yep. Much bigger venue. Yep. So I just did a haggle deal with uh, Jim over a cover, and we bartered back and forth. It was bloody. But I got a uh, Our Jesse cover and uh for those of you who don't know because um if you listen to one the relics of history podcast on uh the election of 1860 or 1856 uh john c fremont was running against james buchanan and this is an interesting item i collect uh, campaign covers and i exhibit campaign covers and this is an interesting one because it has our Jesse on it. Now, in the 1850s, um, it wasn't really that much of a stigma to be gay. As a matter of fact, if you look at the history that was taught in school in the 1850s, they taught three things. They taught Greek history. They taught the history of the American Aborigines because they didn't call them Indians. And then they ca- taught U.S. history, but U.S. history was very sparse in the 1850s. You know, it was like 75 years of uh, history, so there wasn't that much. So they taught a lot of Greek history, and so it didn't ha- just, FYI, um, the stigma of being gay didn't occur in the United States until, like, started in the 1880s. And then, like, went on hyperdrive during uh, the Victorian sort of uh, whatever you want to call it, their sexual mores. So, uh, in the 1856 election, 
James Buchanan, who was gay. You can argue all you want. Go ahead. Do the research. He was gay. And uh, John C. Fremont, he didn't come out and say, you know, he's gay. Don't vote for him. But he said, if you elect me as president, then you get a first lady or Jesse. And Jesse was actually a very, very famous person in her own account. She was the daughter of a congressman or a senator? No, you're a senator. senator. A senator, senator. yeah. Thomas Hart then. Yeah. And he was very, very powerful. And so she was very well. She was basically sort of like Hillary Clinton, mm. popular. She, and Hillary Clinton, you know, you can argue if she was popular or not. But she was like the Hillary Clinton and John C. Fremont. He was the explorer. I mean, he went across the country he you know discovered the grand canyon basically you know they knew it was there but they didn't know what it was or how big it was or anything john c fremont did a lot of stuff including camping here in las vegas valley yeah including uh building a fort over uh san francisco and getting the uh, spanish to surrender just because he he was there he dragged a gun up built a fort around it and said, hey, I can uh, shoot you from here. And they said, oh, well, yeah, you're right. Okay, we surrender. <laughs> <laughs> the five-cent Trans-Mississippi. Yep, five-cent Trans-Mississippi. Uh, shows Fremont on the peak with yep. the flag. Yep. So uh, our Jesse is a cover from that campaign, and I didn't have one. And I was actually trying to get one. And so Jim walked in and said, hey, you know, how much is this? And we uh, negotiated a price, $375, and uh, so this is going to go in my exhibit now. So uh, that's my big score for the day. Thank you very much, Jim. You got me something that I have been looking for for quite a while. That makes it all worthwhile. Thank you. <laughs> and and uh, it was a funny comment because he said, uh, Jim uh, said that, uh, it will look better in your exhibit than it will in my closet. <laughs> <laughs> and that is so true. That's where it was. So uh, next time you see my exhibit, there will be one more cover in it. And you Jim, know the story behind it. Jim, it sounds to me like he just agreed, agreed to pay you an extra $100. Yeah. yeah. yeah excuse me. He ran, he ran that by, and I didn't say anything. You know, yeah. I, I just let it go because I thought he was probably trying to impress somebody about <laughs> how, how financially well set he was. So uh, let's see. Anybody else do any good purchases? Nobody bought anything over the like the last week. Yeah, I bought uh, four stamps from uh, Mike Aldrich's auction for about forty four hundred bucks. What were they? Uh, revenues, ma- uh, medicine revenues. Yep. Yep. I bought a China col- PRC China collection. Yeah. Yeah. Got it for forty percent of catalog. I think that's a really really low did price. Did you Did you get a China's all red stamp? Unfortunately, they did not have that one in there. Wow. So, and that person came to the office, right? Yeah, he came into the office and said, hey, I, I know you guys uh, buy Sam's. And we go, yeah, we do. I mean, realistically, it's just me and Scott who buy them, but <laughs> we'll give you an <laughs> offer. And if somebody walks some, uh, something big in, you know, we have other people who will pick stuff up. Most of the time, though, if people bring in really big stuff, we refer them to the auctions. Yeah. But this was not an auction lot. This was... Uh, very, actually, very, very poorly put together, but an incredibly high catalog. China, 
collection, which is really easy because if you got new issues in the 1960s, 70s, and 80s, you know, you might have spent $20, and today it's worth, well, this this one catalog seventy four hundred dollars, mm-hmm. and uh, you know it's just what it is. Any How about you, Rebecca? I haven't gotten anything this week. I've been going through things, but I haven't gotten anything this week. Yeah, no uh, stamp club th- this week. Nope. Yeah, everybody's taking uh, starting with vacation times. Yeah. Yep. PSE is going to be slowing down, and I don't mean slowing down that. People aren't going to be sending us stuff, slowing down that we're not going to be able to be getting it done. <laughs> well, we're entitled to Thanksgiving weekend, aren't we? We are indeed. My only comment to that is speak for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Albert's buried over here. <laughs> I mean, I did a, I did 85 items last night, and I have another 70 to do. So I think, I think the stuff will get done. Well, Scott said he's bringing back 500 items. That's correct. From Chicago? He was from Chicago. Really, yeah. I, wow. he, he had to take all my forms and all my extra cards that I brought. I, would, I wasn't, I was, since I was so um, involved with talking with customers and then having them show me stuff and doing business in the room, I just, I didn't get a chance to really um, go out and go out. But Scott was really. There were, there were a number of people who had just bought collections, like Chris Armour had bought a $60,000 collection. And uh, he so Scott was going through each one of these collections and then picking out stamps that he thought were worth expertizing. Yeah, and just FYI, for, you know, if you've listened to us long enough, you should know what PSE is. We're an expertizing and grading company. But I will tell you that easily 50% of the stuff that we get, you know, isn't for great, it's for identification. People want a certificate for making sure there's no faults and that it's not regummed or reperfed. Uh, that is where really the market is. Um, the grading is, in, is still incredibly uh, valuable and is incredibly popular. But when we get these 500 items, I'll bet you maybe only a third of them are for grading and the rest of them are dealers want certificates because it puts the people at ease at buying it because your clients want certificates the uh, imperfect coil the five cent imperfect coil single that i i got from uh that i got that was sent in 1911 to russia that was yeah that would absolutely needed a certificate to sell it yep yeah i mean uh, I tell people, you know, they say, well, you know, if I get a certificate, will it increase the value? And they go, yeah, it, it does, you know, but that's not really the reason. The reason is, is because it sells about three times faster. Yeah. It also guarantees a condition. Yeah. There's uh, a very big, uh, who will remain anonymous, and uh, he gets all his stuff graded that goes into auction. And he told me right before, um, half the stuff that I put into auction sells if it has a certificate. If it doesn't have a certificate, instead of half selling, maybe a quarter sells. I mean, it's really a big sale point. So, you know, you can think what you want about grading, but getting your stamps expertized just so that they can go in auction is a real biggie. And it's not, a, you know, I mean, it is a sales pitch, but um, you should think about that. 
Amen. <laughs> Good pitch. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Well, one one aspect, if you're an older collector, and you're significant other or your kids care worry about the amount of money that's involved by certifying your stamps you basically sort of guarantee their market value yeah and and um they should you should explain to these other people that you're just doing due diligence so that you don't ha you won't have to do it if you have if you have to sell the collection well and my horror story that i always share um a fellow died so, you know, he never knew that he made a mistake, but he bought a number uh, 67, a, a, the olive brown, is 67A or B? Uh, B. 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 Olive yellow. B. Olive yellow. 67B, uh, five cent, very expensive stamp. It was unused. And uh, he paid at the time like $4,500 for it. And by the time he passed away and his kids got it, it the catalog value on it was $10,000. Nobody would take it without a certificate into their auction. They sent it to us, and we found out that it was trimmed off, put on another stamp that had been bleached away. So it was a totally rebacked, faked stamp that then they regummed. And, you know, I mean, the guy had passed away, so he didn't know that he had done it, but he spent real serious money on something a long time ago that, you know, at the time was probably like a third of a new car price. And it turned out today, you know, you might get it for a hundred bucks as a space filler, as a curiosity. You know, it's yeah. a really, um, if you're spending significant money, you need to protect yourself somehow. You you wouldn't buy a house without getting a title report. Why would you mm -hmm. buy a stamp, an, a really expensive stamp, without getting the equivalent of a title report? Well, it, it it kind of goes back to like real estate or stock options or anything that you invest in, and you would not, you know, buy a property and not get the deed. Yeah. Uh, it's it's kind of the same kind of idea. Yeah. It, it just, I guess it doesn't matter if it's a two hundred dollar stamp as much as it does if it's a twenty five hundred dollar stamp. But still. Well, my my opinion is if you're spending three hundred dollars, yeah. so two hundred seventy five is not we're, there. We're okay. We're okay with two hundred seventy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but in my opinion, at three hundred dollars, that's when you're spending serious money. $300, in my opinion, is serious money. See, I disagree about that. I think you need to have somebody look at what you're, you're, you've got. There are lots of stamps that are under $100 that absolutely have to be authenticated. All the, most of the flat press coils yeah. and, and, and a number of the experimental, um, experimental issues like uh, Scott 461, which is the experimental um, PERF 11 stamp of 1914, or Scott number 519, which is the uh, two-cent double-line watermark perf 11 stamp that was made from the remnants of the uh, two-cent imperforates uh, double-line watermark stamps that were in the vault when United States Automatic Vending Company went bankrupt in 19, 1914. Yeah, we spoke about that in prior podcast. But but it's the it's the item that really needs to be examined. Um, yes, the money is an issue, but but there are. You don't want you don't want to have a lot of so-called under three hundred dollar items that are also bad. Yeah, five seventy eight, five seventy nine. They're notorious for being, uh, yeah, faked from the coils. Yeah, 
and there's there's lots of varieties which like a Scott number 500 used that's not a very that's that a find a very fine one is basically about $150 or $200 stamp and you, yet you would want to get a certificate saying that it is a type 1A right yeah but the see the reason why I say $300 honestly is because from 1840 to 1900 the cert cost $35. So, uh, and from 1900 to 1927, it costs $25. So, you know, the hitch is if you have a $50 stamp and you're spending $25 for the cert or $35 for the cert, that's a problem. Um, but like I said, if you're spending $300, and right now with the inflation coming in and new people coming into the market, and honestly, the market right now is exploding because there's so much money out there and people are hanging out at their house because of COVID. You know, they didn't go on vacation and they're not going out to Denny's to eat. So uh, they get to keep all that money and they're spending it on stamps. So you have a lot of stamps that are, you know, you got to... Make sure you're not just tossing your money away. I agree. So, yeah, I, that's my opinion. You can draw your line wherever you want. Albert, Albert makes a very good point, though. It's on the types yeah. that, that you really want the identification because um, you're, um, you, you know, it, it would be a sad thing to own a $100 stamp. Well, it isn't. Yeah, well, he brought up... a 10-cent stamp he because it's yeah. the wrong type. He brought up the coils. Yes. And I have seen hundreds of times. I, I, I'm, I'm willing to say every single time a person will bring their stamp collection and sell it to a dealer. And on the bottom of the page, lower right corner, you know, they put the catalog value. And they add up, you know, what the catalog value of the collection is. And on those pages that have coils, they have X's. It's just an X. Mm-hmm. Yep. They don't even count them. Coil stamps in a collection are free. So if you're paying anything for the coil stamps, you're going to lose that money unless it has some sort of certification. If it has a cert, then you get the price for it. But if it doesn't, you know, when the dealers go to judge the value of your collection, they count those coils at zero. Yeah. Yep. 90% basically are about are, are going to be fake. Well, the funny thing is that, you know, then you get into the rotary coils, and they're never faked. No. You know, there's nothing to fake them from. Yes. But the yeah. fact that they are a coil, th- they still... Yeah. Value them at zero. You can wow. misidentify them. Though. I I, I, well, can give, I can give you a good example of a rotary coil where, where things happen. Um, somebody takes a, a type a type three uh, watermarked uh, horizontal coil Scott number four fifty five and scratches out the little varieties and makes it in, makes it into a four fifty four. Okay, how about this? Three cent and above. If it's three cent and above, and it's a rotary coil. There is no way to fake it. Yeah, it's real. There's, it's yeah. real. But the fact is, is that, you know, the dealers just generally look. It's like uh, I always make a killing when I find people with Roman states because I can tell the fakes from the real ones. You know, if they see Roman states and they, 
automatically assume it's fake. Well, the first issue of the Roman states, except for the two high values, was never faked. And even the two high values, the fakes have value. So, you know, they'll look at it and they'll go, here are five, five bucks for the whole thing. And you go, okay, because that first issue there catalogs $475. You just sold it to me for five bucks. Guaranteed they're real. They are, there are no fakes of these. Um, that's sort of the same thing that occurs now. Or Heligoland, same thing. You know, you have a page of Heligoland. It's like, how much do you want for this? Ten bucks. It's like, fine, because, you know, there could be $2,000 in catalog there, but they don't know what's real and what's not. So between Heligoland, uh, Roman States, and U.S. coils, I think they're all the same. Well, nobody's talking, so I guess we're done. We got enough minutes? We always have enough minutes. We need your help. Nothing on the Internet is free, including our phone and Internet connections. So you can support the podcast by joining the Stamp Show Here Today Club. The cost is $10 for a lifetime membership. Please include your APS member number as we are an APS-affiliated club. Your support is greatly appreciated. Our brand new spanking address is 5965 Harrison Drive, Suite 6 in Las Vegas, Nevada, 89120. You left out the word glorious. Fabulous. <laughs> because you don't put that on the letter. Oh. Well, you could. You could, yeah. You could, yeah. Well, kids, that's all the time we have for today. I'd like to thank Sideshow Mel, Corporal Punishment, Tina Ballerina, oh, and from Not Landing, Miss Donna Mills. Oh, she was a sport. We've had lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of fun, but now the time has come to go. If this still clown was found dead in his bed tomorrow, I'd be in heaven still doing this show. See you some other time! (laughs) You have been listening to Stamp Show here today, seeking to advance all levels of the stamp collecting hobby through news, information, and collecting advice. Visit us at stampshowheretoday.com to listen to the show, view images of the items we are talking about, and read the show notes. You can also continue the conversation on Facebook at Stamp Show Here Today and on Twitter at Stamp Show HT. If you have questions or comments about the show or have any topics you would like us to discuss, you can email us at stampshowheretoday at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and as always, keep collecting. Collecting happens when we dream together.